Hey, um, we've got a treat this morning. How many of you have been here before when David McDonald has ministered here? Good. So we recognize David as a prophet in this house. He's come here a number of times. He's, he really so encourages us as a leadership team. He speaks over our church in ways that continue to keep us encouraged and contending and believing for what God is doing. And so we're just so blessed to have him here this morning. And I just want you to stand and welcome him as he comes to minister. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. You can be seated. It's a wonderful, wonderful moment. Amen. Come on. Every time we come into the presence of God, there's moments of impartation. And you know, just this morning, I just drew aside and I already felt the Lord was going to give you, it's just the word I got was he was going to give you prophetic maps. A prophetic mapping. I, I don't know, I've never heard that before, like prophetic mapping. It's like a, a supernatural um, um, GPS. God's going to start to give you such insight of the next points, the waypoints. I, I used to be in the Air Force, and um, it's very important that as a pilot, you know where you're actually going, and so you make sure you have some waypoints along the way. And so I, I just felt that God was going to give you very definite waypoints along the way. And it's going to be an amazing season of hearing God just so audibly. Amen. Come on. How many of you just feel that even this morning, I really felt when I was moving prophetically, this whole message is just prophetic. I really felt that God was stirring prophetic people. There was like the stirring going on side of people. I don't know if some of you came back, but I just felt that God was going to ignite your prophetic slant or your prophetic senses. God's going to start to wake some of you up, and it's just, there's like this impartation coming. Amen. Come on. I know you've been in winter, but how many of you know spring's coming? Amen. Come on. Get excited about that, because I know some of you, and it's like, you're really moving very slowly, Daniel. It's like, good morning. Hello. It's like, I know you're waiting for spring. Amen. Come on. And I know that some of you are waiting for this download from God, and God wants to just impress on your spirit today that He hasn't forgotten about you. Amen? Come on. You've got to get stirred up all the time. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that you just release whatever heaven has for this congregation, for this church, for this nation. Lord, release it this morning. I thank you for activating our spirit our minds, our faith, and God, this morning, help me to be able to articulate what you're sharing, Lord, in such a way that it's clear and concise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Well, this morning, if you're taking notes on your phone or whatever, the title of the message is Revealing the Kingdom of God, Revealing the Kingdom of God Produces the Power to Transform. When we step out of the natural into the supernatural and we start laying hands on the sick and we start to prophesy and we start to speak about God's glory, what happens, we actually usher in a spirit of transformation. There's a transference. There's a transformation. Uh, there's a, it's almost like these new transactions. It's like God starts to reveal his, heart, his heartbeat for earth when we step out and do stuff beyond the natural. Amen? Come on. And so I just felt that in that, that space of revealing God's kingdom, there is there's such a powerful attribute, a beautiful attribute that is revealed when we understand our position in Christ. Amen? When you know that you're positioned in Christ, when you understand that you're a son, and I want to tell you, it's been such a liberating journey for me coming out of my background in South Africa and learning to just seek God. There's, there was such an amazing defining moment where God spoke to me one day and He said, you are my son. I love you. You are my favorite son. Amen? Come on. And so something just rose up on the inside of me, and I started to realize that there were areas in God that I'd never, ever took ownership of. I was always looking from afar, you know, always living from afar and understanding God loved me. But the moment I became and understood sonship, I stepped into this amazing position of understanding my covenant with God. Amen? And I started to take hold of the authority and the anointing and the giftings that God has for me. And the one I want to speak about today is supernatural royalty. Just say that with me. Supernatural royalty. Supernatural royalty. And when you understand supernatural royalty, we start then operating and producing supernatural authority. Amen? Come on. How many of you know we know how to conquer, but we don't really know how to culturize? 
We know how to take over nations and we know how to go in and dominate. And the church, if you go back in history, the church dominated, conquered many nations, but they didn't culturize any nations. And so when we look back, nations that could have been Christian never became Christian because the churches or religion that went into those nations never ever exposed them to Christ. It was only religion. Amen. And so I believe that we've come into a place where God wants you to understand your supernatural royalty and what it looks like from his perspective. So let's go to Romans chapter 5 and let's see what the Bible says in terms of that. And because, you know, I just went out and I started just studying as much as I can on the subject of royalty, supernatural um, royalty, what it means to be a king, how to operate as a king. How many of you know that in the book of Acts, it actually says that David served his generation. And when you read and study the life of David, he was probably one of the most amazing kings that ever lived. Amazing man. I love David's heart. I love just his transparency. When you read um, Psalms and you just get into Psalms, his transparency, his brokenness, it's just it's so, so amazing. And so Romans, uh, Romans chapter 5, uh, verse 17, let me just read a couple of verses. It says, but the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. Verse 16, and the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from the one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance, that's us, of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one Jesus Christ. So when you look at that word reign, that word actually means to live triumphantly. But when you study it out, it actually means I'm not just living triumphantly when I get to heaven one day, and we will, but we actually live triumphantly now before we get into eternity. In other words, there's a triumph. There's, it's not a motorbike I'm speaking about, by the way. It's the fact that you walk in supernatural ability, supernatural authority. You actually are seen. People can actually see in your life something's changed. Something's, uh, you've, you flick the switch. You're no longer sitting in the gate waiting for the rapture. But you've actually got up out of that place and you're stepping up into your authority and you are seen. I think we don't realize that the world actually knows who we are. They watch us. They see us. But instead of us walking in our supernatural royalty, we are walking in natural frailty, and our speech and our language doesn't line up to the Word. We've got to understand that we're living in a time and a season that our language has to line up with His Word. Amen. Come on. And by the way, the second meeting or the second session with you this morning is probably going to be a little different than the first session. Because that's how God works with me. I can get up and I have all the points and, the, and all the things I put together. But many times God will just speak to me in a different way. And I'm happy with it. Amen. And so we, we've got to see that. We've got to realize that, that you have a purpose and a calling. And you've got to write that down and say, God, I thank you that I have a purpose and a calling. You've got to hear that every day of your life. I have a purpose. I have a calling. I have a destiny. I have a purpose. Thank you for my calling. Thank you, Lord, that you've brought me into this space. Lord, I'm running in my lane. I'm running to win. I understand my assignment. Otherwise, we lose our momentum and we never do great exploits for the kingdom. Amen. Come on. Every one of you sitting here at the sound of my voice is called. You, you've got an amazing ability. You're filled with the Holy Ghost. You've got giftings. You've got anointings. And I just love what we heard pray earlier on. Lord, I thank you that we're going to all the nations. Things are happening on the inside. And listen to me. There should not be one dull moment in your life. My life with Christ is not boring. I do not experience boredom at all. I'm always, there's just something happening all the time. This year, we'll be in 10 different nations, Egypt, Brussels, Portugal, um, um, Holland, uh, Wales, the UK, Scotland, South Africa. I mean, there's things happening. Amen. Come on. The kingdom of heaven is moving. God wants us to get with the program. Amen. Come on. So we need to see our new birth as significant. 
Something happened on the inside of me. God changed my, my focus. Amen. Come on. There was, they, they started a process. And when you go to first, um, I'm sorry, not first Philippians, but Philippians 1.6. If you go to Philippians 1.6, I love the way Paul writes this. He says, I'm convinced of this very thing. He's convinced about this thing. It's like, it's truth. It says, he who started a good work in you will bring it to completion. And then we stop reading it right there. But actually, when you read the whole verse, it says, and will develop it. So God says, not only am I bringing to completion, I'm drawing you into a fulfilled life, but I'm actually going to develop you in this area of your strength, of your assignment, of your anointing, of your gifting. I'm not going to leave you out there in the cold. If you will just step up and agree with me, I will take you on a journey of supernatural fulfillment. Come on, God wants us to be fulfilled. God wants us to be satisfied. Not that I'm satisfied and I think I've got everything and I can just wait for the rapture. I'm consistently pressing in and I'm leaning into God, but I'm living from a place of satisfaction. I am so blessed. I'm so full of joy. I'm full of strength. Uh, uh, there's an anointing. There's a gifting. I'm, I'm experiencing realms of the supernatural. Amen. Come on. I don't have to be begging God. I just go as a son and I step right in to the Holy of Holies and I live out of this amazing place of supernatural life. Amen. Come on. If the church is going to change nations, we've got to become supernatural. We've got to live out of the power of the Holy Spirit. Last year's memory verse ain't going to help you. You've got to get into that place where there's the, you know, I used to work underground. I used to work on the rock face. In other words, where the guys were drilling to put in all the explosives. That's where I worked. I was a ventilation engineer underground, and I used to make sure that everybody working on that rock face had, first of all, they had um, clean air, and it was, the temperature was right for them to work in, and they had cold water. I had to make sure that there was no pollution, and I used to work on the rock face of what was going on. And let me tell you, it was very hot on the rock face where those guys were drilling, but my job was to make sure they had enough air down there. In other words, some of us want to draw back away from the rock face, and God says, no, I want you right up against the rock face of everything that's happening in them. I'm releasing downloads that are new and fresh. You've got to be in position to receive it. And I don't want to go there, but I mean, it was amazing. And so it was my responsibility. So I want to show you some things about you. How many of you know that everything about your life changed the moment you received Jesus? The moment that you agreed with heaven, everything about you changed. And you actually became a candidate for greatness. So let me take you quickly to Revelation. And let's go and have a look at this amazing um, word here. I believe is very prophetic for the church right now. We've got to understand our identity. Come on. The, the greatest ploy of the devil is to get people to get distracted from their godly heavenly identity. Amen, come on. There are big corporations that will spend billions of dollars for you to wear their clothing, to, for you to wear their makeup, for you to wear, you know, their aftershave. They will spend billions of dollars to alter things in your heart about who you are. And so, yeah, God speaks a word in, in this amazing book, Revelation chapter 1, and I'm just going to read from verse 4. It says, John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. Verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead. And now listen to this. And the ruler over the kings of the earth. Can I propose to you this morning that you are the kings of the earth? That God has given you the ability not just to conquer, but to culturize and change ecosystems so that God can come and rule and reign on the earth. Come on. God wants you to go into spaces and areas and atmospheres, and he says, I want you to rule in that space. I want you to create an atmosphere of my glory that attracts me to earth. Amen. Everywhere you go, you have the ability to create ecosystems. Very important for us to understand. 
That everywhere you go, the kingdom of heaven is in you, on you. The kingdom's not just in you. The kingdom flows through you and actually touches the lives of people. Around. Have you ever noticed you're on a bus, you're on a train, you're on a plane, whatever it is, and you walk into a bank, whatever it is, and suddenly people get almost frustrated. There's like this tension in the air. How many of you have ever felt that? How many of you have ever wondered what that was? Why is everybody getting all upset? I just walked in the room. I walked into a bank the other day. I was just sharing this with the young adults on um, Friday night. And I said, you know, I walked into a bank and I was standing in front of the teller, young lady. And the next thing she started weeping. I'm thinking, I just want money. Why is she weeping? And so I walked up to the window, I put my hand through the window, through the holes, and I held her by her hand and I started to speak to her. And she said, I don't know what happened, but you came and stood in front of me and I just, I felt something and I just, she just started weeping. I thought she was saved. I said, are you born again? She said, no, I'm an atheist. See, let me tell you something. We don't realize the power we carry. We don't realize the majesty that we carry. We don't realize the supernatural stuff we carry because we just we are so aligned to natural thoughts, natural patterns, and natural atmospheres. But we don't really understand who we carry. Come on. I've seen it on airplane. I've seen it. People sitting on the airplane one day, just flying from New York to somewhere. I can't even remember. And the young lady sitting next to me, she and because I know the question's gonna be asked, they're gonna ask the question. So what do you do? I said, I'm a pastor in my most American accent that I could find. Because when you say I'm a pastor, they don't, they don't understand what it is. They think, well, maybe this guy makes pasta and pizza and stuff like that. So I said, I'm a pastor. So she, she went and she went like right into the fuselage of the plane. It's like she was stuck there like, oh, no, you're not going to come near me. And I, and I saw that she had the most beautiful, she had awesome tattoos. She was covered in tattoos. And I thought, man, that, I need to say something about her tattoos. I said, can I just say something? You have awesome tattoos. I said, they are awesome. You, that, that is, that's like a work of art. And that suddenly the whole atmosphere changed. And she looked at me and this is what she said. She said, my pastor told me that I was going to go to hell because I have tattoos. And so the door opened and I could minister to her about the father's heart. And by the time I'd finished, she was just weeping and weeping because nobody had ever shown her the heart of God. And all of us carry those amazing abilities to actually share God's excellence with the world. You are royalty. We should be acting like kings. God says, I'm going to come and I'm going to start to give the kings of the earth the ability to change atmospheres. Let's keep on reading because it gets gooder. To him who loved us, washed us from our sins in his own blood. I'm so thankful that I've been washed and that I've been cleansed and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I am so thankful that I'm a royal priest, that there's royalty. God says, I've called you into a place of royalty. You've got to understand your role as royalty. You've got to understand your role as a priest and a king. You've got to understand it. You've got to come to the place where you say, God, show me what it looks like to be royal. If you don't understand, there's a great book out there by Chris Valentin called Supernatural Royalty. You've got to read it. You've got to understand that the world is waiting for kings to emerge. The world is waiting for this amazing generosity that kings have to bring in the heart of God on the earth. Amen. Come on. So let me just, let me just say this to you, that when you understand your role. When you see yourself as a king or a royal priesthood, it will shift your theology. My theology shifted a long time ago. I used to think a little religious. My mind was all religious. You know, people, I was, there was a harshness in, in the prophetic um, um, action of my life. There was almost like this little bit of, man, I'm going to just go and stir them and I'm going to just slice and dice them. And, but, but when I became more aware of the fact that I had this ability to be a priest and a king, something changed. I now see people through God's heartbeat. He's, when I look at people, I'm not seeing your natural inability. I see God's purpose. 
I see God's potential. I see God's plans. I see God's blueprint for your life. Amen. Come on. And I want to call you into that gold. I want to call you into that purpose. I'm not interested in the natural. We all have a past, but God says, I'm more interested in your future than your past. So let's start to get uh, so overwhelmed by his future for us that we start focusing on the bigger picture, man. Come on. There's stuff in your life you don't even understand yet. Come on, there's giftings and there's anointings and there's purposes in your life that you haven't even discovered yet. And they're all lying dormant. That's why we need prophets and prophetic people that'll come with, with a priestly understanding how to draw that out of you. Amen. Can you imagine if we all live from a place of being satisfied, a place of mercy, a place of grace? I think a whole world would be different. But we're so easy to judge people and to look at their inabilities and we measure people by how they've accomplished things. Listen to me, I don't care if you're a billionaire or somebody that works at McDonald's. To God, you're the same. Amen? We, and we seem to measure people by what they don't fulfill. And so I just started to look at this and I started to realize that when you understand your role, when you see yourself as a king, when you understand the royal priesthood, when you understand the anointing, it's like you change your perspective. Everything that you look at is different. You know, I remember flying into Colorado quite a few times, preaching in Denver and Boulder and different places, and people would say to me, don't go to Boulder, it's the, it's the satanic stronghold of Colorado. It's like, that's a load of garbage. Amen? Come on. You know, when I fly into Alaska, it's like, yes, God, I'm so excited. Now when I fly into different cities, it's like, man, I am excited to get there because I've changed my perception or my perspective about that nation. Amen? Come on. Somebody just invited me to Egypt, and it took them 10 years to convince me. Because in the last nine years, I was like, no, they're going to take my head. At least I'll be happy. I mean, come on. I mean, so what? At least I'll die happy. See, as Christians, we're so afraid to lose. We're so afraid to die. This whole thing about the condrovisors, get a, get a life. People are just, more people have died from just common flu than the condrovirus. And just because we, we because, no, I'm not, not going to go there. Because media outlets, and I'm not going to name their name, have put such a big thing on, a panic thing on the coronavirus, all the people are just afraid of all the stuff. Hey, man, you can walk out here and get killed by a moose. <laughs> get the coronavirus, just take a walk in Alaska and back in the backwoods. Something can eat you. Amen. I'll never forget the first time I came to Alaska. I was staying with Ken Gable up at his house. This was like 1990-something. I can't even remember. And he said to me, don't go for a long walk. Those days, uh, Wasilla was like not inhabited. And so I remember taking a walk. He said, don't walk too far because we've got bear here. We've got moose. We've got all sorts of animals here that might hurt you. And so I'm thinking, man, he doesn't know I'm from Africa. Hallelujah. So I went walking without a rifle, without a weapon. I went walking and I saw this massive animal called a moose. I'm thinking, and this thing's not moving. It's just like moving its head like side to side. I'm thinking, wow, that's cool. So I just kept on walking towards it. And I heard a little voice, run, run, forest, run. Because I was like almost on top of it. And it's, the thing was just doing like this with his head. And, and I ran back to the house. And I said, Ken, I just walked right up to a moose. And he said, excuse me? I said, yeah, I just walked. And all this moose did was just rocked its head back and forth. And he said, that thing could have killed you. It's like, thank you, Jesus. Amen. So quit worrying about coronavirus. Okay, so let's, yeah, amen. So, so when we look at this whole thing about Revelation chapter 1, and we look at these two verses, we realize that God says, I want you to bring the influence. I want you to change the status quo. In other words, what I believe that I, what we're seeing happening is God's raising up marketplace kings, business, 
We're seeing amazing business happen. We're seeing amazing transfer of wealth happening on the earth. Amen. Why? Because godly kings are starting to operate in their anointing. Amen. Come on. We're seeing regional kings, and that means more about the apostolic. I see more apostolic people being raised up, people releasing fathers and mothers into nations, and we're seeing regional things change. Amen. Come on. We're going to start to see regional kings, national kings. How many of you know that Billy Graham was not not only a national king? but he was a global king. Amen, come on. Oral Roberts wasn't just a guy that lived in Oklahoma, but Oral Roberts had a national and international influence over nations and cities. Amen, come on. Because he understood his anointing, understood his gifting. And I believe some of you sitting in this room today will start to understand your anointing and suddenly you'll start praying regionally and you'll start praying for cities. You won't just be praying just for your immediate needs, but you'll be praying for other people's needs. How many of you feel that already happening in your life? In other words, societies change, nations start to change, we start to see global impact because you and I carry the influence. The life of God is on the inside of you. You see, when I live my life, and I'm just going to bring it down to where I live, where I, when I fly, when I, you know, when I just live my life, I, you know, I, I'm just with Dee and we may go to a restaurant, Dee has to remind me I'm with her. Because I'm always looking, I'm always sensing, I'm always trying to perceive. And God, you, and D many times has to tell me, "Honey, you with me? Just, just keep me. You know, it's me." Because I've come to a place where I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm sensing, I'm, I'm testing the frequencies all the time. Come on. I'm not just blundering my way through life, just, oh, well, I just, no, I'm, I'm consistently sensing. Okay, God, what are you saying? What are you speaking? What are you doing? That's just what I've become, and I like that. Amen. Come on. I, listen, when I get on planes and stuff and I travel, I'm not like just overwhelmed by all sorts of circumstances. I know what's going on. Hello? I know that sounds a little like, whoa, but it's done. You, I've got the Holy Ghost on the inside of me. I've just tapped into something and I'm loving the journey. Amen. Come on. Somebody came and stood in front of me the other day and was telling me the whole stuff. And the Lord said to me, he's lying to you. It's like, whoa. And then afterwards, I found out that he actually lied to me. See, some of you are entering into all sorts of atmosphere and situations, but you don't know how to rule well. And because you don't know how to rule well, that atmosphere rules you. We're the church people. We're supposed to be rulers. We're supposed to be taking and, and bringing a culture rise. We're supposed to bring the kingdom into a culture. Amen. Come on. I've heard um, Chris say this many, many times. He says we need to become cultural architects, reestablish some things, bring things into alignment. Start to see yourself as a king. Amen. Is that okay? We, and in other words, when we start understanding Revelation chapter 1, 5, and 6, we start to govern well. And when you speak about governing, it always speaks about cities and nations. And just to give you an example, back in, in Charleston, South Carolina, we, we came together as a group of leaders and said, how are we going to govern our city? We know how to send groups into our city. We have treasure hunts. We send people into the city to do treasure hunts and pray for people. But what are we actually going to do in our city so the city can see we care? And so we thought, well, let's go do something for the homeless. And we said, no, we're actually going to create... Uh, more of a problem if we just feed the homeless, how can we actually help the homeless? So now some of our leaders have gone into schools and we're inviting those homeless people into meetings with us where we can show them and share with them how they ought to live. Show them how to budget money, how to do some things. And then we said, okay, what else can we do? They said, well, let's go into areas of our city that looks really t- terrible. I mean, there's dumpsters lying there and nothing's growing and the gr- grass has died and the trees have died. And so we've gone in and we've started to beautify the city, planting palm trees and grass and putting in pavements and cleaning and washing and painting. And, and we went to the mayor and we said, how can we do, what can we do to serve you? And he was like so amazed. And now we have a group of people that pray with the mayor, that sit with the mayor, that intercede for the mayor. Amen. Come on. We go to the fire chief, the police chief in our city, and we are, we are, we are loving them. We are, we are governing well. Amen. Come on. We're not just a church in the city that's always asking for something, but we're giving something. So we're governing well. We're governing from a place of authority. We start leading well. Our families matter to us. Amen. Come on. 
What, what is the cause in your life? If your family is, is, is in a mess and turmoil, and yes, there are many in turmoil, what's my cause? My cause is not to reach people in, in Europe. My cause is to see my family healed. That's my first port of call. And so when we start understanding that we're kings, I want the princes, when you go into Psalms and you go into Isaiah and you read these books in Psalms and in Proverbs, it says the kings reign, but the princes are wealthy. Come on, it says the king roars like a lion, but his grace is like dew on the grass and princes are attracted to that. Amen? So I want to tell you that family, I just love what what, uh, this brother said this morning. What's his first name? Bill, what Bill said about going into villages. Can you imagine the effect that he's having on families, not just individuals? That when you touch a father, the whole family gets healed. The whole family gets restored when you touch mothers and fathers. And so we start leading well. Our families become discipled. Amen. Come on. Kings know how to disciple. But it was sad. I mean, if you read the life of David, David didn't do such a great job with all his sons. But we have an opportunity. Amen. You and I have an opportunity. And I just love to see the dads here just sitting there with their kids and the kids are worshiping. I just love that. I think your church is probably the most friendly, um, 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 children-friendly church I've ever been to. I'm serious. I go to a lot of churches and it's like, where are the kids? And you come to this church and all the kids are dancing and laughing and just, it's amazing. I love it. You have a family friend church. Amen. Come on. And so, um, I, yes, just give God a hand. It's, I think it's awesome. I think it's so cool. And then we start discipling well. And I just feel we're in a season of supernatural discipleship. Discipleship is not giving somebody a book. Discipleship is lifestyle. When, I, when I'm, I'm discipling probably about probably 60 young men, a lot of those young men have been with me on, on missions, on ministry trips. I take people with me. I want to know what's in their heart. Amen. Come on. Discipleship is, is, is life. Living life around people in such a way that they can actually receive from you in a very honest way. Amen. Come on. How many of you know that when you're traveling with a leader, you find out what they've got and what they don't have? And unfortunately, we put leaders on pedestals and we don't realize they're actually human beings. But when you travel with people, you actually start understanding, man, I know this guy. I've been around him. I know what his satins look like. Don't worry about that. Satins. You know what his satins? Some people wear satins. I know what his his pajamas look like. (laughs) I went out with a leader once and we were staying in a hotel room and he wore satin pajamas. So we always have this joke. I know what his satins look like. Because Carla was there like satins. Okay, so, so what I'm saying this morning is this. There needs to be a paradigm shift in our lives. We have to start to say, God, I want to start thinking like royalty. Amen. You've got to allow the Holy Spirit to ignite faith in you. And I, I know we spoke about it this morning, but you know what? I've come to a place in my life where I've realized that we have not activated faith. We have to get back to the faith principle calling those things that are not as if they are. Amen. Come on. Get back to that place where you start believing, that you start speaking it by faith. Lord, I don't see it. I don't feel it. But God, I'm going to get into agreement with your word, and I'm going to start to call those things that are not as if they are. Because the problem in church many times, we're calling those things that are as if they're not. We have to turn that around and say, God, I'm going to start to call those things that are not as if they are in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on. I must get a revelation of royalty. I must get a revelation of becoming a servant king in my generation. Amen. Come on. I have to get a revelation of ruling like Jesus, reigning like Jesus. (laughs) Come on. We have to start reigning and ruling like Jesus. I love it. I said it this morning when Chris Lotton said something. He said, you know, when somebody's breaking into my house, I, I'm going to call the police. I don't want the police to come with a stick. I want them to come with a gun. Oh, hallelujah. Where's the love? I can just feel the love coming on. I want some authority. When someone's breaking into your house, don't you want the guys to come with some type of authority? Amen. I was telling the story this morning about a friend's house. A friend of mine, Bob, he was a, a commercial pilot. He was well, not a commercial, but he, he, he flew for American Airlines. And, he, you know, he went on uh, retirement and, and built a beautiful home uh, just overlooking the, the water over there in South Carolina. And, and just last year, last, the year before last, in terms of, the, of New Year, I think it was going into 2019, two days after the New Year, his house caught a light. 
And if all the fire trucks zoomed down the road there to their house. I think there was like seven fire trucks. And his house burned down. And you know why his house burned down? Because the firemen could not understand. They didn't understand their jurisdiction. So everybody stood around, complained, and fi- almost got into a fist fight because they were saying, but you can't be here. That's not your jurisdiction. This is not our jurisdiction. And at the end of the day, his house burned down because they didn't know their jurisdiction, didn't know their authority. Hello. And some of us don't know how to rule well because we don't understand who we are. We don't have a revelation of the royalty that we possess. Amen. Come on. And we need to stop trying to administrate the kingdom of heaven without it. We have to have insight and understanding about who we carry and what we carry in this season. Amen. And so let me just go back to Revelation 1 because there's just two things I want to show you that I just saw in these two verses that I want to highlight. The first one is when you read um, verse 5, it says, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, right there, I believe you receive an assignment as a king. So already you have an assignment. In other words, it's not just about your title, it's about your function. From, from this moment, from this, from this intersection, as I'm hearing this word, I'm going to make up my mind that I have a function and I have an assignment in my life. And my assignment is to, is to create an environment in my city and in my home and in my church where people can flourish. Amen? Come on, it's inside of you. And so people are waiting for their assignments. Oh, what's my assignment? Don't get confused between your calling and your assignment. Don't get confused because how many of you know, because we have the Holy Ghost, we should know Mark 16 is our calling. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's the calling. Amen. Come on. Laying hands on the sick. That's my calling. Isaiah 61 is my calling. Isaiah 61 is how I live my life. That's my calling. The anointing of God is on me. The anointing to, to set the captives free, to bring people into um, um, you know, um, healing, whatever that verse says. But my assignment is nations. My assignment is leaders. My assignment has got so much to do with the kingdom of heaven, but it all starts with understanding my calling. Does that make sense? A lot of people will come to church and because they're still thinking membership and please don't write me a letter. But I know that many people are locked into membership and we're all part of one body. I understand that. But it's more about the kingdomship being released in you and through you. Is that okay? And so number two, when you keep on reading and you say, and it says here, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and made us kings and priests, I realize that in saying that to us, he's given us jurisdiction. Jurisdiction means I know my authority. I understand my authority over cities, nations, principalities. I reign well. I'm excited. I'm not intimidated by the world. I'm not intimidated by politics. I'm not intimidated by this demon or that demon or that virus or that sickness. I have strength. I have ability. Amen. Come on. I'm bold. I understand my weaponry. Do you understand? I just feel prophetically God's bringing us into a season of recruiting. The army of God needs to rise up. The army of God needs to take her place. Yes, we the bride. Yes, we the da- yes we worshipers. Yes, we humble. Yes, we lowly in heart. Yes, we you know. Yes, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, we have to start becoming a little bit more const- constructive and intentional in who we are. Amen. Come on, raising our voices, raising our worship. That song, raise a hallelujah. That, I'm telling you, that is such a prophetic song. And when you read the history and the purpose behind that song, why that guy actually wrote the song was because he wasn't going to allow the enemy to take his child. And something rose up on the inside of him and he said no. And he, and he wrote that song and it's like that song is resounding around the earth. Do you realize what happens when you sing that song? Because worship is a weapon. Come on, man. We have to become a little bit more brutal than we have been. We just, it's almost like, well, you know, I, I, go to, I go to churches where it's like everybody wants to have fun. And yes, we must have fun. But I'm telling you right now, nothing in the church will be different until we fun, fun, understand our royalty and our function and our jurisdiction. Nothing will be different. Everything will be the same. 
And this is not the call of this church. I just sense it in my spirit that this church has stood and you have stood and you've prayed. I felt that 2020 is going to be the year of convergence for you as a church. Your destiny and your purpose is going to be so amazingly like God is going to just show it off around the world. Because of how you stood and you've fought the good fight of faith. You've stayed in your lane. And you put your head down and you're, you're, it's almost like your forehead has become like flint. I see all of your foreheads like flint just moving in and possessing the land. You've not given up. You've not released the momentum in your life. Amen? I get a little bit stirred up. Maybe it's that brave heart blood that I carry. I don't know. But I just get stirred in my spirit when I'm around people that are ready for breakthrough. You're ready for break. It's like I can sense it. Almost like the, the waters have broken. Something needs to be birthed. And so unless you know your jurisdiction, you will not govern well. Unless you understand your authority, you won't govern well. Unless you understand that you're actually called to be a royal priest and a royal king, you won't govern well. You'll always come from a place of weakness. We're not weak. We're strong. Greater is he in me than he that is in the world. I'm more than a conqueror. Go and study that in the Hebrew and the Greek. We don't even have a concept of what that verse means. It says, I'm more than a conqueror, Daniel. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm, I'm bigger than Alexander the Great ever was. The man that lives on the inside of me is greater than any emperor that ever lived. Come on. We have to start understanding that. It's not like, well, Mount Everest is it's too big. God says it's bigger than ever any Mount Everest you've ever seen. That's the authority that I've given you. That's the authority. That's, that's the heartbeat of God in you in this season. Amen. Come on. When a Senate can pass a bill to say a baby that's aborted alive, we will not give that baby assistance. I'm going to tell you right now, you've got to get loud. You've gone just sit there and say, well, I just, I just want to be happy and I don't want to offend. You've got to get loud. Because what's the cause at the end of the day? Esther says, what's my, David said, you can go and read it. David says, what's the cause? In 1 Samuel, when, when Saul spoke to him and said, hey, you know what? You can't do this stuff. You can't do this. You're just a shepherd boy. You haven't been trained for war. Goliath was trained for war. And David says, what is my cause? Amen. And he says to Saul, I've killed the bear and I've killed the lion. I will kill this uncircumcised Philistine. And some of you haven't killed your lion or your bear yet, but the, the day is coming where you will start to know how to kill the lion and the bear because Goliath's coming down. But you can only do that understanding who you are. Amen? Okay, so let's look at a couple of things I just wrote down here. We must, in 2020, know the difference between our callings and our assignments. You must have a resolute conviction in 2020 that his kingdom has come in you. Can I say that again? You've got to have a resolute conviction in your spirit in 2020 that his kingdom has come in you. Are you walking in a resolute conviction of who you carry? Because some of you are trying to serve dozens when God has called you to serve thousands. And I'm not against that. God may have even called you to serve uh, dozens and not thousands, but there's some of you sitting here that will serve thousands. This church in this valley will serve thousands. We'll release thousands. Thousands will come in. That's how you need to start to think. It's not just a dozen that will come in. Thousands and thousands of people will be served through this house. Amen. Come on. Communities and regions will be touched. Right this morning, we saw a man going into the outback of Alaska doing what God's called him to do. But guess what? You all are partakers of his joy. You may not want to go out there and sleep where he sleeps, but by giving into that ministry, you actually become a partner of what he's doing. So let's just look at Esther, and I just wrote a couple of things down about Esther. But Esther had the understanding that when she stepped into her role, it didn't come through a glamorous door. It wasn't like an amazing, exciting door. She came in as an orphan and ended up as the queen. And some of you may be sitting here today and saying, well, Lord, you know what? I don't feel like I'm royalty. I don't feel like this. But just go and read Esther chapter 2. Let's go and just have a look there real quick. Well, you know what? I'm going to stop there. Because I've just, I've run out of time. I'll, can I just give you the five points real quick? Five points. Number one, number one, just write them down because I want to minister to some people. 
Number one, Esther chapter 2, 7 to 9. Convergence into destiny. Sometimes your convergence will not be glamorous. In other words, your beginning will not be glamorous. It's not coming from like this place of professionalism, but you end up being royal. Amen. Number two, Esther 2, 13, uh, 12 and 13. You can go and read it. She embraces her royal purpose and process. She steps into a, a season of preparation. Listen to me. God wants some of you to step into that season of preparation. Preparing for what? Preparing for war, preparing for battle, whatever it is. Start just saying, God, prepare my heart for the season that's laying ahead. I don't want to be missing in action. I want to be part of what's happening on the earth, in this church, through this city, whatever it is. God, I want to be part of what you're doing. Number three, Esther chapter 4, 13 and 17. She steps into her judicial authority and she comes into agreement with her destiny. She says yes to destiny. Because her uncle comes and reminds her, were you actually born for a time as this? And she says, hey, I am. Immediately she comes into that place and agrees with destiny, agrees with purpose, agrees with why she's actually in the palace. Amen? Last one. Esther chapter 5, verse 1 to 4. She put on her royal robes, put on her royal robes in the, in the sight of the king. She steps into her kingdom purpose. And it's an amazing story. When you go and read it in that chapter, um, Esther chapter 5, it says that the king is sitting in his courtyard. He's sitting here in his courtyard. He looks down into the courtyard. And you know where Esther is? Esther is on the other side of the courtyard in plain view of the king. And you know what she does? She puts on her royal robes. Immediately the king thinks, whoa, she's in agreement with me and calls Esther. She comes right into, his into where he's sitting and she reaches out of his scepter and says, Esther, what can be done for you today? What would you like? But guess what had to, had to happen? She had to put on her royal robes. And I believe today that some of you are sitting there and God says, it's time for you to get into agreement with your royalty. It's time to get into agreement with the supernatural royalty that you carry so that you can sort of practice your authority well. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So just, just put some music on. Where is Bill? Bill, come here, my brother. Is your wife here? Come, just come up here. Father God, we just thank you for Bill. I want you to reach out your hand. Father, we just thank you. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Just come stand in front of me. Look at me. Look at me, brother. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Father, we just thank you. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, because you have released, this is the word I have for you, look at me, because you have released the sounds of revival. I see you going to high places, and I see you beating your drum, and the sound has gone out like waves and like raindrops over this nation and over this culture because you've continuously released the sound of my glory and my power and my desires. God says you will see my kingdom come in all the areas that you'll go to. You won't have to strive or sweat. Even in this season, you're going to see more people get saved, more young people come to the Lord than you've ever seen in the last five, six years. God says because you have prepared the ground, you went out and you prepared the soil and prepared the soil and you prepared the hearts of men. And people said, well, what are you doing? You're way out ahead of yourself. People even said to you years ago, you're running out ahead of yourself. I see people saying that to you. And God says, no, you didn't run out ahead of them. You were in my time. You actually were in my time setting the standard, setting the platform, setting the stage for revival to break out even in the villages around Alaska. Father, we thank you for this man. We thank you, Lord, that he is sensitive to the voice of heaven sensitive to the voice you the, the lord says my son you'll never ever respond to echoes but you'll respond to my voice for there's been many echoes and you've said no god i don't want, i'm not interested in an echo i want to hear your voice and because there's been this amazing conversation and communication between you and the Lord and the Spirit of God in heaven God says watch me release what heaven is birthing right now the greatest harvest that Alaska will ever see will come in 
in this year and into the next years. Harvest after harvest after harvest. And and your group won't just be 20 people, but 200, 300, 400 people will start to come together to bring this harvest in. Father, we thank you for such an amazing time. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the word. Thank you, Lord, that you saturate him with your glory in this season. Father, we thank you for uh, just the new things. I just see people coming to you and giving you the finances you need, not just to, uh, uh, you, you know, you don't have to uh, get a plane or what, what, what do they call it? You, you pay for a plane. I see God saying, people come and say, there's a plane. There, there's this. There, there, there's, there's a building. There, there's this. There's, because God says it's not just discipleship going out there, but it's bringing people to come to disciple. And I just see this whole thing, not just bringing people to the Lord, but I just see this amazing investment of discipling taking place in this nation. So Father, we just thank you for the anointing. We thank you, Lord, that the songs that will come out of those villages will set the nation free. I just feel the Lord saying those children and those young men and women and the elders of those villages will sing a new song. The Lord said, because you've understood culture and you've understood the indigenous people, God says, I'll cause you to rule well. And you will govern from a place of anointing and breakthrough. And it won't be a governing that, that what you've seen in the past that have governed people to nothing, but a governance that will bring such a freedom to people. That's how Jesus governs. Jesus is interested in the one. And it's like there's been times that you said, God, I, if just what happens if just the one comes? The Lord says, don't worry about that because the one, uh, the one woman at the well actually became an evangelist to a city. Whole cities became born again because of the ones. So, Father, we thank you for what you've put on his life. We thank you, Lord, that he carries this anointing of kingship well in Jesus' name. There's like a royalty on your life. Sometimes you've you've actually shied away from it, but I want to tell you, you wear the royal robes of your king well. Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Father God, we thank you. Just come out here. Come. Quickly, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. That lady there with the brown jersey on, just come, or, or top, whatever, sweater. Just come real quick. Thank you, Jesus. What's your name? Jennifer, I see you unlocking like vaults in heaven and God's glory like big um, globs of oil and honey falling on people around you. You've come into a revelation of love. It's like, she's like a love bug. It's like, I can just feel it. It's like, whoa. And God says, that's going to that's gonna be the key. That's going to be the revelation. Everybody's seeking revelation. But Jesus said, if you don't love like me. And so I just saw that this church is actually going to become a place where love will settle on people like, like oil and honey that they won't be able to remove. It's actually going to stain them. You know, we cry and say, God, make us burning ones. God says, no, oily ones. Just love, you love well, I'm telling you. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just thank you. I just saw God opening some doors. And I just saw like things that were restrictive to you. Things that were like, that have become restrictions and even times of much resistance. God says, I'm dealing with in this season. Amen. God is setting your heart free. God is setting, and, and when I say that, it's like it's not like your heart is all compounded and fractured. I just feel there's 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 all these different expressions of God that's going to become so real to you that you're going to start to measure things. You're going to start to see things. It's like you're going to experiment with the supernatural. You're going to call those things that are not as if they are, in Jesus' name. But no more resistance. In Jesus' name, no more resistance. I see your household coming into a place of liberty and freedom again, like never before. Your family seeing healing beyond the understanding and being, and being around the, the God's favor and wealth like never before. I just saw also for you guys that the harvest and the desires are in your mouth. And I saw you speaking the word. And as you spoke the word, the words that came out of your mouth actually formed a picture on a canvas. 
Because many times you feel, God, I don't have anything to give or I'm just the seer and I'm just a participator. But I just sense that this, this amazing prophetic anointing you carry is all wrapped up inside of you. And as you start to speak it, I literally saw words come out of your mouth like little letters. And when they touched the, the purpose, became a picture. There's more in you than the eye can see. Don't be afraid to investigate selling stuff. Because you're going to start to hear the Lord speak to you about selling properties and selling gold and releasing people into their destiny. And, and do not be afraid of wealth accumulation. Because you're about to enter into that season. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. That brother real over there, I know, I know I'm going to finish. This is the last person that I was ministered to, but this man over here, are you together? Just hold hands. What's your name? Your name is? D and D. Dynamic Dio. Listen to me. You have such an anointing to teach and to inspire and to bring people into their destiny. And I just see you coming into a season of tremendous supernatural ability to give people. It's like you're handing out little GPS systems and saying to people, this is the way, walk in it. And it's like you're showing people the signposts that will help them on their journey. Because God has given you such favor. It's like you have governance over cities and regions. You walk in supernatural governance. Do you run, have you, are you in government? Why not? You have an amazing ability to, to bring people into relationship. You are like a, a mediator that joins people's hearts and cities and nations. It's like you're like an ambassador. It's like you come into areas that are just um, experiencing like social drought. And you will just bring them back into like the social abundance of blessing. Amen. It's just, you're just an amazing guy. It's you and your wife. It's like you guys are so um, planted in the Lord. It's just, it's like you're not just like planted like two or three feet. You're planted like 20 feet. I just see these big pylons going down into the ground. And God says, because you've taken time with me, because you've sought me, I have planted you deep so that I could build high in your life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can I give one more person a word? That lady sitting right over there looking at me with her arms folded. I just want to tell you that the Lord, I felt the Lord say to you that he hasn't forgotten. That your winter's coming to an end. And you're coming to a time of spring. I'm not speaking about a natural winter. I'm speaking about, a, about a, like, a, like a spiritual winter. It's like, God, when is it going to open up for me? When, is it gonna, when are you going to start to release me into my destiny? Because you have such an amazing anointing. It's like you have the gift of, of prophecy. You have this creative gift. You can sing. There's worship on your life. And God says you need to start to write out your dreams. Because even in that, in that area, I'm going to start to give you such insight into dreams and, and, and supernatural prophetic downloads like never before what's your name Brittany it's on you thank you Jesus father we just thank you we thank you Lord we thank you Jesus that's the difficult thing for a prophet I mean we just we have verbal diarrhea so we just want to keep on going but I want to honor this house and I want to say to pastor Dennis I called him Papa Dennis how many of you agree with that Papa Dennis this guy's a papa. Even when I come, I'm like a grandfather, but when I come in, I feel like a son. So Father, we just thank you. Reach out your hand for, to him and Brenda. I know she's busy somewhere else, but Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this precious, precious gift. You are a gift to the kingdom. You are a gift to this valley. You are a gift. You are a gift. I feel the Lord saying, he is my gift to this region. And that which I started in him all those years ago, I will bring to completion. I will bring to completion and I have developed you to be a warrior, to be an intercessor, to be a father, to be prophetic, to be apostolic. I have prepared you for you have come willingly to my table. And you've sat willingly eating 
and laughing and speaking with me. God says, because of your willingness to sit at my table, I have imparted to you all you need for this season. In Jesus' name, you will not lack any good thing. Nothing will I withhold from you. For you have killed the lion and the bear many times. And you are seeing Goliath fall. In Jesus' name. I'd like just a couple, couple declarations real quick. Put your hand on your heart. Just make this with authority. Say this with authority. I am royalty. I have been commissioned to reign with Jesus. Things are going to shift wherever I go. Because the King of Kings flows through my life. On earth as it is in heaven. Lord, thank you for the prophetic word over this house. Thank you for David. Lord, I come to agreement, Father, as people, we are to bring the revelation of Jesus' lordship and kingship wherever we go. And things shift, culture shifts, atmosphere shift. This valley, destiny shifts. We say yes and amen to Alaska coming under the lordship of Jesus. We thank you for what you're doing. Even through the prophetic words spoken today, the people are, are rising up to who you've called them to be. The Northgate family said, amen. 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 It's been an amazing, amazing day. Hey, if you need prayer, we have people here uh, to pray for you. Otherwise, make sure you bless one another as you go. If you want to stay and help take down, that'd be amazing too. Don't forget about Bill back there, a $20 challenge to help him fulfill his mission as well.